Good evening. A couple Thursdays ago, we were in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, so tonight, Lord willing, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And just to kind of recap and review a little bit of what we went through in chapter 1, uh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You know, Solomon saying, the vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. Everything is, the word vanity means meaningless, ultimately useless. Solomon should have got a job writing greeting cards. Happy birthday. Everything you've ever done is meaningless. And you have to wonder what the purpose of this book is. Was it just to bum everybody out, or is there a, a purpose to the book? I don't know what Solomon's, in his heart, what his purpose was, but there is a purpose to this book, and it's to lead us to the only absolute truth and hope. John 20, 31 says, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Solomon encourages us through Ecclesiastes by showing us the alternative to a life of faith, the absolute futility of idolatry. And idolatry is an attempt to acquire peace, hope, and fulfillment in anything other than faith in Jesus Christ. And Solomon shows us the futility of a life apart from faith in Christ. Jonah 2.8 says, Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. And Solomon spoke of two things. He kept using the phrase, life under the sun, which refers to the time allotted us on earth, that time that we spend on earth, and the word vanity, which means emptiness or meaningless. And he would say that all endeavors engaged in life under the sun are vanity. The foolish activities that people engage in and those activities that people see as beneficial, all is vanity, Solomon would say. It's sort of like there are two truths. The truth of life under the sun, which Solomon speaks of, and the truth of heaven, which so far he has neglected to speak of. If anyone has the truth of life under the sun, if all one has is truth of life under the sun, the result is hopelessness and a kind of death because life under the sun is vanity and people can't live without hope. When people realize that it's meaningless, that it's temporary, you lose life. It's a crushing realization to know that everything I put my hand to is vanity, Solomon would say. But the truth of heaven is that there is a God who raises the dead. If all people have is the truth of life under the sun, they die. Hopefully they find the truth of heaven and live. John 4.13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So in verse 1, Solomon says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? 
I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. You know, he's sort of saying, if all is vanity, why not eat, drink, and be merry and see if we can get some type of fulfillment out of that. All is vanity. People need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. They need a distraction from the monotonous cycle of everyday vain pursuits, or what Solomon would call vain pursuits. I remember when, when I was in high school, I had a friend who used to call me up, usually on a Friday night, and he'd say, anything to live for this weekend? Which means, is there a party? Is there a concert to go to? Is there a new drug to do? Uh, something that isn't an everyday vain occurrence. Solomon would say that there's no fulfillment in any endeavor during our life under the sun. So people say, let's find a distraction from the fact that anything we do in our lives under the sun will dissipate. Let's bungee jump off a bridge or go on the expressway and see how fast I can go on a motorcycle, anything for a rush. Or just medicate myself with the drug of my choice. So Solomon tested himself with these things, with folly, and found them madness and vanity. I was watching a documentary on the 60s the other night, and somebody said, if you remember, this, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. It was, for a lot of people, what it was basically was a party. A lot of people were trying to find meaning, and a lot of people did find spiritual meaning during those years. But basically, it was a party that lasted about 10 years. People say they were seeking meaning of life and fulfillment in engaging in the things that Solomon was speaking of. But that whole, area, that whole era was simply a bunch of people searching for different ways to feed the flesh. There really was no noble purpose, and there were a lot of casualties. I was talking to someone, to a young man, and he was talking about, you know, people in that era used to be called hippies, now we're called boomers. And this guy was saying, you know, you boomers, you wrecked everything. You know, your generation was the beginning of the demise of our society. And I said, hey, look what we gave you. Drug abuse, sexual promiscuity, and left-wing politics. What more do you want? Jesus came to give life and that more abundant. You know, I can't imagine how exhilarating it was for the disciples every moment of their lives as they were walked every day with Christ. You know, how exhilarating every moment must have been. And that abundant life wasn't only for them, but for all believers as we follow Jesus and walk with him every day. No other pursuit during our lives under the sun can actually give life except a relationship with Christ. John 36.11 if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. Jesus said, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. And I think we could say, he who lives by anything other than faith in Jesus Christ will die by that thing. Verse 4, I made my works great, I built myself houses. So Solomon was an architect. He was a great builder, a designer, and a builder. He was the man who designed and built the temple. You know, there are a few things more satisfying than designing something, building it, and actually having it work. 
when it comes to building and designing and like home repairs and stuff like that, I have a prayer that I always say, Lord, allow me to make enough money so I can hire somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Solomon designed the temple, which was not only a functional building, but also a work of art. People have designed and built glorious things. I was watching, I think, on the cathedrals in Europe and just looking at the workmanship that went into those and you know, the, the glory about them. It's, it was amazing. And there was this one cathedral that had a very high ceiling and there was a dome up in the ceiling like a skylight. And there was a man who was known for building these beautiful stained glass windows. And in the ceiling was this skylight dome and this man put these stained glass windows all around the bottom of the dome. And it was, the weird thing was, is nobody could see them. No matter where you stood on the floor, because of the way it was situated, you couldn't see the windows that he had put so much time into. And they asked him, why did you do, the, why did you do it? Nobody can even see it. And he said it was an act of worship. Only God can see it. And Solomon says, and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools which, from which to water the growing trees of the grove. So he was a horticulturist, growing things. You know, when you grow things, it's like you're taking part in creation. People love working in the dirt because you're going to see the fruit of your labors. You accomplish something. You get to see the result. People rejoice in their accomplishments, and rightly so. Creativity and skill edify the soul, somebody said. But anything people accomplish, even if it's one of the wonders of the world, will eventually turn to dust. It's all temporary. You know, I tell the kid, we tell the kids in Sunday school, anything that you can see with your eyes is temporary. Our hope is what is unseen, which is the definition of faith. And Peter gives the perfect summation of everything that Solomon is saying. The truth of life under the sun and the truth of heaven. 1 Peter 1.24, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Solomon would say, it's all vanity. He longed for what was eternal, yet somehow in his life he slipped away from the eternal. People say, well, why bother to do anything? If, you know, if Solomon's right and everything is vain, everything is vanity, why bother to do everything? It's like my son used to say, why should I make my bed? I'm just going to mess it up in the evening anyways. Because it actually benefits your character to make your bed in the morning. And it also will improve the experience of going to bed. You know, why build? Why create? If it's all going to burn, if it's all going to turn to dust and be forgotten, why do anything? Why build? Um, Job 3.13 says, Job lamenting the day he was born said, For now I would have been still and been quiet. I would have been asleep. Then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who built ruins for themselves. You know, if it's all going to disintegrate, why bother? It's because we have to. It's in us to do so. Someone called it the God spark. Gifts and urgings that God has given to us to improve the quality of life even in a fallen world. Verse 7 says, I acquired male and female servants. 
and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces, wealth and material possessions, of which the glitter wears off very quickly. Even though Solomon, some estimates would say that he'd be worth well over 80 or 90 billion dollars today in today's money. Luke 12:15, speaking of material possessions, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no more, no more room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And those, and then whose will those things be for which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You know, how can someone be rich towards God? Only by receiving the riches that God has for his people. Only by receiving the riches that are in Christ can someone be rich towards God. Romans 11.33 Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Jesus sending Paul to the Gentiles in Acts said, open their, to, I'm sending you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So one can become rich toward God only by receiving the riches that God has for his people. Luke 12:29, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, sometimes people may feel that, like God is dangling the kingdom on a string and pulls it away because we're not quick enough to grab it. But Jesus said it's, God, it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth, destro moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Solomon goes on and he says, I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. Peter wrote, and all the glory of man is as a flower of the grass. You know, great works of art, music, and literature. There is a glory about it. It will fade as a flower fades in the field, but there is a glory to it, a certain amount of glory. Verse 9, so I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. If there was anything that could give life meaning outside of a life of faith, Solomon would have found it. 
he exhausted every possibility and found that idolatry in any form is vanity. Verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. It just wasn't there. All the endeavors, all the things that Solomon looked to for hope and for fulfillment, it just wasn't there. And there isn't anything. Anything we look for on this earth, you know, it can be career. There are good things, even the good things. There, there can be fulfillment in career, in family, whatever. But Solomon found that it just wasn't there. What he was looking for wasn't there. The eternal fulfillment. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that is only found in Christ, a future. We have a future and we have a hope. First Thessalonians 2, 16, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. The only hope, our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 13, 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. I love that phrase. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Isaiah 51, 1. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the pole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to the Lord for your sustenance. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There is eternal hope, purpose, and fulfillment found in Christ alone. Eternal life isn't just quantity, isn't just living forever, although that should lift our hearts amazingly when we think about it, the fact that we are going to live forever, that we're not going to die, that a million years from now we're going to be alive. Eternal life isn't just quantity, but quality beyond our comprehension. It's knowing God. Verse 12, Then I turned myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can um, the man who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. Solomon at, the, Solomon at the beginning desired to serve God. He prayed for wisdom. He was the king, inherited the throne from his father, and he realized, I can't do this. I'm a youth. I don't know what I'm doing, and these people are so great. Lord, I pray for wisdom. God said, ask for anything. And Solomon prayed, I pray for wisdom to be able to serve you, to know what to do and to do it. He was, in the beginning, he was serving God, but in the end, he ended up serving himself. Matthew 16.25, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He wasn't, Solomon was, in a sense, trying to save his life and failed to find it. How does one try to save his life? by seeking well-being and fulfillment in anything other than faith in Christ and obedience to God. Obedience is the only proper response to the gospel. I heard a study that pastor did on the radio, and he was talking about sins of commission and sins of omission. 
commission is willful disobedience to the word of God, doing what is evil in the sight of God. An example, David committing adultery with Bathsheba. Omission is not doing what is right in the sight of God. God tells us to do something, and we don't do it. An example, Saul and the Amalekites. God told him to go and wipe out the Amalekites, and he didn't do it, or he did it halfway or partway, and failed to do what God told him to do. So we get nailed for the evil that we do, and we get nailed for the good that we don't do. Is there any hope? Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? Acts 10.43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And that is our hope, those four words, the forgiveness of sins. And when those four words saturate our understanding and our hearts, we find that we have an unsatiable desire to shun evil and to do what is right in the sight of God. Verse 13, then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceive that the same event happens to them all. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why, and why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this also is vanity. What advantage is there to leading a life of wisdom, since the fool and the wise will both end up in the grave. You would think that the author of Proverbs wouldn't be asking that question. Wisdom is knowing the will of God and doing it. You know, in Sunday school, we keep telling the kids in class and hope that they come to the realization that my life is just way so much better when I do what is right in the sight of God, when I do what is good. My quality of life just rises when I do what is right. John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It doesn't mean that God will stop loving us if we fail. It means that in his love, he has given us commandments. Keep yourself safe and that which he has given us to be safe and secure. Keep yourself in the love of God. Jude one twenty one. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Do we keep ourselves in the love of God by obeying him? Yes. Because obedience is the safe and secure place God has given us for life more abundant. But what if I disobey? then you keep yourself in the love of God. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Someone wrote a long time ago, and I have this written in my Bible, and I think it's a good thing to be looking at every once in a while. The secret to Christianity, to everything about Christianity, our service to God, our worship, the secret to Christianity is to consent to be loved while unworthy. That's the great secret, this person said. Verse 16, For there is no more remembrance of the wise man than of the fool forever, since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come. And how does a wise man die? As the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. 
you know, as far as life under the sun, all is vanity, all is temporary. First Peter one twenty four again, because all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower fades away. Even the most beneficial activities in life under the sun are temporary, because life under the sun is temporary. Second Chronicles fifteen seven, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Those things done in obedience to God, those things done in service to Christ. Deuteronomy 10.12 And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Service done in obedience to God is not vanity. There is eternal fruit. Second Corinthians 3.5 not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Anything done for Christ, anything done in obedience to Christ has an eternal effect, an eternal reward. Verse 18, then I hated all my labor in which I toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or be a fool, yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled, and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. So like, what was the use? What's the use? What is all this for? You know, Solomon was looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. You know, I think part of his problem was a big hand didn't come down from heaven and pat him on the head and say, Solomon, you're the best. You, you are really searching, you know, for truth and you found it and I couldn't do it without you. You know, you're a man among men. And he became despondent because he wasn't getting that kind of, of affirmation from that which he found to be vanity. And his son did turn out to be foolish. Because of his lack of wisdom, the kingdom was divided during his reign. Verse 21, For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all his labor and for all the striving of his heart with which he toiled under the sun? Revelation 14.13 says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them. Did Solomon know this, or was he looking for fulfillment only in the here and now? We need to keep our eyes on eternity and our hope towards that day when we finally step into forever. 2 Peter 3.12 Look, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. For all 
verse 23, with Solomon. For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have, more enjo who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he might give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. First Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, but not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, are we as Christians enjoying life? People say, how can we enjoy life? Everything is crumbling around us. It's hard to enjoy life. We should be enjoying life. In spite of all the disintegration in this country, in spite of all the insanity, all the trials and hardships, we can enjoy life because we can rise above the fray because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we can enjoy the things that God has given us to enjoy. Psalm 68.3, But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Psalm 25, We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Psalm 31.7, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have, you have known my soul in adversities. Psalm 33, 21. For our hearts shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his name. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We are going to live forever in eternity because of the obedience of someone other than ourselves. Life under the sun is ultimately vanity because it's temporary. But then again, in view of a life lived before God, it's not vain, it's eternal. So, pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. And Lord, we know that things are temporary on this earth. All our troubles, all our trials, Everything that we can see, Lord, is temporary, and there is a new, new day coming, Lord. The night is far spent, and the day is coming. So we praise you, Lord, and we thank you, and we pray that our eyes would be on the future, Lord. Uh, and we thank you and we rejoice in the fact that we are going to be living in forever. And, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that as we live out our lives under the sun, that you would use us, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, and we would be lights in this dark place, Lord, we pray. We pray, Lord, to rejoice in you. Lord, restore to us the joy of your salvation, Lord. And, Lord, be glorified, we pray. Pour your spirit out upon us. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.